The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress, a journey toward heaven. I must speak to you today in regard to this matter of your salvation. There is no more serious topic upon which we could dwell and spend profitable time. We see in our culture everything exploding. We see bitterness and anger. We see the beginning movements toward a race war. We see those who are tearing at others. We must lay all of that aside. We must deal with the most important topic at hand. And that topic is your salvation. Now please understand... The topic of your salvation is an issue between you and God alone. No pastor, no teacher, no parent, no child, no husband, no wife can intervene 
and cause you to be saved or cause you to be lost. This is a decision that you alone must make. Upon your decision will rest your eternal destiny. You must understand clearly what the issues are. You must intellectually understand what the issues are. Because you must make a non-emotional decision in cold blood. You must look carefully to see your guilt, understand the claims of God on your life, and then make a full-hearted, honest decision regarding the future of your life. It is your life that hangs in the balance. Many will think that they have met the requirements. Many will imagine that they are saved. While in fact, Jesus said at the end time, that many would come saying, Lord, Lord, and he would turn them away. Now, we don't want to even begin to imagine that we could be one of those turned away. But it's more likely that we will be ones turned away than ones accepted into the kingdom. Jesus was asked the question, are only a few going to be saved? Will you be saved? Are you saved? Don't rest in some supposition. The question is, have you met the requirements necessary in order for you to be saved from your sin? There is no salvation if it is not saved from your sin. Sin is the problem. And so don't allow vain imagination, emotional teachings, or heresy, wrong teaching. You must find out for yourself. You will not be able to stand before God and blame another person and say, but they didn't teach me correctly. No, you have the word of God. You have the ability to look at it and read it. You have the ability to talk with godly men and women. It is up to you to search out the requirements of God and not believe in some ancient counsel, but to go directly to the scriptures and for yourself determine what are the requirements of God that I could be saved from my sin. This week we are going to deal in depth with the question, what must I do to be saved? And if you imagine that there is nothing that you must do to be saved, you are lost and you will be lost and you will be in hell. So we must explore carefully in the word of God, what must I do to be saved? I will not be teaching my ideas. I will be teaching the straight word of God, unvarnished, clear, so that your blood will not be on my hands. I've been sent by the Holy Spirit to speak this word to you. I urge you, take the full message. Don't be satisfied with five minutes here or five minutes there. You need to listen to the entire message. And all this week, you need to listen very carefully because... Your eternal destiny may hang on whether you hear and obey the word of God that I will share with you. This is of utmost seriousness. Nothing is more serious than how you are saved. You must first intellectually understand it. You must understand what God is asking of you. And then you must decide, will I accept the proposition that is being offered to me? 
or will I decline it? Will I push it away? Will I imagine it's not real? Now, at the very heart of this issue, again we go to the third chapter of the book of Genesis, where the serpent, the devil, comes to Eve and in irony asks, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat from We may eat the fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Or, You will be like God, and you will be the one who will determine what is good or evil. In other words, if you eat of this tree, you will own yourself. You will not belong to God. You will belong to yourself. And so the woman saw the fruit of the tree, that it was good for food, pleasing to the eye, desirable for gaining wisdom, and she took some and ate it. May I put that another way, please? She reached out her hand, and she stole from God the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It was not hers. It had not been given to her as food. She reached out her hand, and she took it. It did not belong to her. She shoplifted She stole from God. Now, what else did she steal? When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her. And the husband did not step in and say, Honey, don't do it. You're stealing. Instead, his loyalty went to his wife. And so he joined her in the crime of stealing from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. She stole the fruit of being able to run her own life and determine what was best for her. And she cast aside the God of heaven who came and walked in the cool of the day every evening, fellowshipping with them, preparing them for the wedding that was to take place. He wanted to make them his bride. Imagine, God wanted to make the weakest of all of his creatures his bride. But she stole from him the one who loved without any reservation, who loved with compassion, who created them, who owned them, who owned the earth and the tree. And she shoplifted. She stole from the tree. The eyes of both of them, verse 7, were opened And they realized they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. They have now stolen, and shame has entered into their life and into their hearts. And the eyes of both of them are opened, and they realize they're naked. And now the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Why would they hide? Because they no longer belonged to this God. They had stolen the forbidden fruit. But let me please take it one step further. They had stolen themselves and had run away from God. They belong to God. 
but they decided to no longer belong to God. On what basis? They did not own themselves. They were owned by God. The tree was owned by God. The garden was owned by God. Everything there belonged to God. They stole themselves and ran away and hid. God called to them. They answer finally. Where are you? God called. The man said, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree I commanded you not to eat from? And the man said, The woman. And the woman said, The serpent. And now the curses of God come upon them with one small open window in Genesis 3.15, I will put enmity or hatred between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. In other words, he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. It is the first prophecy of a Messiah that will come, that will rescue them that will reclaim them as his own. So the problem we're facing, and it's a very large one, is that in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve made a decision, and you must understand the implications of this decision upon your own life. It is of the utmost importance. You must know that you must return the stolen goods to God. You need to understand what this means. The difficulty... Pardon me. The difficulty between yourself and God is that you have stolen yourself and you have run away from his service. By right, you belong to God. He created you. He made you for himself. He had a perfectly righteous claim to the worship of your heart and of your service in your life. But you, instead of living to meet his claims, have run away, have withdrawn from God's service, and have lived to please yourself. Now your duty is to return and restore yourself to God. You must return what you have stolen. You are stolen goods. You stole yourself from God and ran and did your own life as you chose. Now, some of you have gone back to God and you've tried to work out an arrangement with him that you will love him and that you will serve him as it is convenient for you. You will serve him as you are able to serve him. You have said, I will work with you, but I will not give up those things that are most precious to me that I gained from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I will not give up the stealers. I will not give up the redskins. I will not give up the professional sports, which will not be in heaven. I will not give up the right of making my own choices and my own decisions. But I know I'm saved because I was told that if I would simply repent and say, I'm sorry, and that I will accept you, Jesus, I'm saved. And so you remain stolen property like a lover who wants to come back but wants to play around on the side. 
like a gomer. Someone who only comes half-heartedly, but has many lovers. Now, if we look in the scriptures, in 1 Corinthians, the sixth chapter, verse 9, do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Who are the wicked? The wicked are the ones who continue to walk in sin against the Most High God. He's saying, do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral nor idolaters. What is an idolater? An idolater is a one who puts ahead of God his work or his family or his entertainment. An idolater is one who has many things he chooses to bow down and worship. Nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanders, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. It does not say that if you've accepted Jesus, you can continue to be a drunkard or a slander or a swindler or an idolater or a fornicator. It does not say a homosexual can be saved. If you're walking in any of these sins, the scripture is saying you cannot be saved. And it says, that is what some of you were, but you were washed you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. In other words, you were baptized into Christ and you promised to put off all filthiness of your flesh and of your spirit. You were sanctified. Hagiadzo. From the word to make holy. It's, it's actually three words. Hagiadzo is made up of three words. A, earth, separation. In other words, a person who's been sanctified has been separated from the earth. He has been separated from the culture of rebellion. You are separated from earthly things to be consecrated to spiritual things. You are separated from time to be connected to eternity. You are separated from idols to be joined to the living God. You are separated from common earthly things to be wholly employed in the service of God. You are justified, that is, you are made innocent before God. You are rendered. You are made righteous. Now, what does it demand of me to be brought through this process? Well, if we look at First Corinthians, the second, the seventh. I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians, the 6th chapter, verse 19. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Well, what is he saying? You have stolen your body from God. You've stolen your mind and your heart from God. Now you must recognize that you are owned. You were bought with a price. 
my dad, I used to go with him to Bible studies and he would try to make it simple for people to understand. He would say to them, it's like a father working with his son to make a little sailboat. And then they went out to try the sailboat on the water. But somehow the boat got away and it was caught in the stream running out of the pond and it was rushed downstream so quickly that they could not catch it. And they both grieved that they had lost their precious little boat. But some days later they were walking downtown and they walked by a pawn shop and there they saw their precious boat that they had made sitting in the window of the pawn shop. They went in and they said to the owner, that sailboat, we made it. It belongs to us. And the man said, no, that's my sailboat, and if you want it, you're going to have to buy it. And so the man took out his wallet, and he paid the money from that pawn shop owner to buy that little boat back. And the little boy was heard to be saying as they walked out of the pawn shop, his face aglow, Little boat, I made you, and now I bought you. You belong to me. I hope you hear. You either belong to God or you belong to the devil because he stole you and you stole yourself an agreement and you ran off. And now Jesus came and paid the price and you now belong to him. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. I was in a very deep place of struggle and agony before God. And I was in full mode of rebellion and anger. For I was immensely displeased with the course my life had taken, the way I had been broken and stripped, shamed, and I was crying out against God. And he spoke, and it was audible. And he said to me, You are not your own. You were bought at a price. And everything in me, all of the rebellion, fled away. For suddenly I recognized that I was standing in opposition and shaking my fist in the face of Almighty God. And I could not do that. For without any question, I was owned by God. The scriptures teach this very clearly in 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter. He is quoting here, Psalm 24, verse 1, The earth is the Lord's, and everything in it. That includes you. You are owned by God. But if you have stolen yourself and run away, to have your own life under your own terms and your own understanding, and if you have thought to come back toward God and strike some kind of a deal with him because you believe you own yourself, you have been utterly deceived by the devil. For you do not own yourself. You belong to Jesus Christ. He made you and then he bought you. 
Now, I'm going to open the phone lines today. If what I'm saying pierces your heart and you recognize that you have stolen yourself from God, you have stolen your time, you have stolen your energies, you have stolen the direction of your life, you have stolen yourself from God, and you would like to say, I'm finished stealing myself I am returning now to almighty God if you would like to say that I'd be happy to take your phone call and I'd be happy to pray with you now please don't call me with foolishness don't call me with arguments this is the straight word of God You do not own yourself even though you have stolen yourself. You are still stolen property. You are stolen property until you are returned to the one who owns you and who has bought you. Now let's consider what you must do to meet the requirements that God has laid down for you. They are quite simple, and they are very plain. You must return and confess your sins to God. You must confess that you have been all wrong and that God has been all right. You must go before the Lord and lay open the depth of your guilt. You must tell him that you deserve just as much damnation as he has threatened. And what has he threatened? To burn you in hell because you are in full rebellion against the Most High God. Now I must tell you on a personal note, that after this very clear understanding was presented to me by the Holy Spirit of stealing myself from God, I have begun to examine every moment of my time and my energy and recognize under the anointing of the Holy Spirit where I have been unconscious of continuing to steal myself from God. And it has resulted in deep confession and tears. It has resulted in my having my eyes and my heart opened in a new way with an absolute commitment on my part to return to God in every respect and to confess before God in every respect every area of theft in my life. I have been a thief before God, and you, my brother and my sister, have been and may still be a thief before Almighty God. And thieves will not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Now, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven without some very serious consideration of what you have done. Now, may I, may I add just another layer of understanding to this? Have you stolen yourself from people that you owe forgiveness to? Have you stolen from people the forgiveness that you owe them by the command of God? Have you stolen friendship? Have you despised those that did not agree with your current flavor of the month? Have you cut off people from your heart 
because they have wronged you? Have you hated your enemies, or have you loved them? If you have hated your enemy, you have stolen from them the mercies God wished to extend to them. Have you stolen your prayer from men and women who desperately need your prayers? Have you stolen from the poor that which you are to give them? This issue of stealing yourself, stealing your time, your energy, your service to God, it only grows deeper as you allow the Holy Spirit to expose the true depth of your thievery, of your lying. When you claim yourself, you are lying. When you claim to own your time, you are lying. When you claim to own your own money, you are lying to yourself and to others. And so not only is thievery involved, but lying is involved. And you cannot enter the gates of heaven as a liar and as a thief. These deep confessions of your true condition are indispensable to your being forgiven by God and your being restored by the Holy Spirit. The Lord says, Leviticus twenty six forty one through forty two If their uncircumcised hearts are humbled and they accept their guilt, then I will remember my covenant. Then God can forgive. But as long as you challenge this point and will not acknowledge that God is right as long as you will not acknowledge that you have stolen yourself from God and claimed ownership of your life when it is owned by God and bought by God, you cannot be saved. If you will not admit you are wrong, if you will not admit your guilt, if you will not humble your heart, he cannot forgive you. I hope these words resound in your mind. These are logical conclusions based on the Word of God. Barely would I find a person who would not say, claiming to be a Christian, that they are owned by God. But if that is so, why have they continued to steal from God? Have you done so? These declarations, I don't like that. I'll never do that. I hate that person. All of these hard-edged declarations of self of self-glory and self-ownership we must come to God and we must confess these things and allow the Holy Spirit to break them in us and to humble us before Almighty God now it is also necessary that you confess to people if you have injured anyone Is it not a fact that you have injured many? Have you not slandered your neighbor or said things that have no right to be said? Have you not in some instances willingly lied to them or about them or covered up or perverted the truth? Have you not been willing to give others a false impression 
in order to gain some good for yourself? If so, then you must renounce all such iniquity, for he who covers his sin, according to Proverbs 28.13, he who covers his sin will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. So you must not only confess your sin to God, You must confess your sin to the people you have injured. And you must make restitution. You've not taken the position of repentance before God and man until you have done this. God cannot treat you as a penitent follower of Jesus until you have taken these steps, radical steps of obedience. Now, I do not mean by this that God cannot forgive you until you have carried into effect your purpose of restitution. For sometimes it will demand a fair amount of time, and in some cases it will be utterly impossible. But the purpose of your heart must be sincere. It must be thorough before you can be forgiven by God. You must renounce yourself. It's very plain. In Matthew 16, Jesus said, If you would come after me, if you would follow me, you must deny yourself. And that word deny in the Greek, literally it means you must disown yourself. In other words, ownership is going to transfer from me to God in my mind and in my heart. You have belonged to God from the time of creation, and then you stole yourself away, and you pretended that you could live and determine what was right and wrong on your own, and you thought the exercise of religion was sufficient for you to be saved, even though you continued to walk in your flesh in worldliness. May I please be very plain with you. You cannot be saved from your sin as long as you hold ownership of yourself of your stuff, of your family, of your things. You cannot be saved. You must disown yourself, Jesus said, and recognize that you are now owned by Almighty God. He continued, You must take up your cross. Where was Jesus when he spoke these words? He was headed toward Golgotha to be crucified. You must be crucified with Christ. That's what the Apostle Paul said in Galatians. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. That must become an actual experience of giving up ownership of yourself into the hand of Jesus Christ. And so you must renounce yourself. You must renounce your own righteousness. You must forever discard the idea of of having any righteousness in yourself. You must relinquish the idea of having done any good in your flesh that that could possibly commend you to God or even be considered as a basis for your justification. The work of salvation is a supernatural work of God, but you are able to be a part of that supernatural work of God when you return to him the stolen goods, your body, your mind, your heart, your soul, your spirit, when you return what you have stolen from him and you confess to him how utterly wicked stealing yourself has been before the throne of God. When you renounce your own will 
you must be ready to say, not in word only, but also in your heart, Matthew 6.10, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, you consent now to God's will. It is now your supreme law. You must renounce your way and let God have his way in everything. You do not allow yourself to fret and be upset by what's happening in your world. You do not give yourself to irritation and anger. God's power now extends to everything that happens in your life. You are now fleeing to the wing of God. You are hiding under the wing of Jesus Christ. You do not reach out your hand to take anything for yourself. You do not steal anything for yourself. Instead, you receive from the hand of God only that which he chooses to give you. You do not allow yourself to worry because worry means that you're in charge, that you have a kingdom that you have stolen from God and you must exercise your power over that kingdom and you have limited power and so you worry. No, all things must be placed in the hands of Jesus. You must become as a little child before God, subdued and trustful at his feet. Mark ten fifteen. Now the weather may be fine or it may be foul, but you let God have his way in all of the circumstances of your life. You let all things go as they will, yet let God do as he pleases, and let it be your part to submit in perfect resignation until you take this position. You cannot be saved. Now please understand, these are God's conditions for you to enter into salvation, which is to have your sin removed so that you no longer walk in sin before God. You must come to Jesus Christ and you must accept Jesus as your only Savior. You must renounce all thought of depending on anyone or anything. You must accept Jesus as your atoning sacrifice and as an ever-living mediator before God. You must place yourself under the care of Jesus. Our phone number here in studio is 877-534-0780. I'm here to pray with you. If today you are under deep conviction and you would like me to pray for you, I have time for just a couple very quick calls. 877-534-0780. My producers just told me that we have five minutes left, so call quickly. I'll pray with one person. Now, do you see why I opened the broadcast as I did? This matter of your salvation is found between you and Jesus alone. And you must meet the requirements necessary. You must return yourself as stolen property to Jesus. And you must come fully under his authority. There is no compromised or halfway position that you can take where you will be safe. You either belong to Jesus and have returned the stolen goods, your mind, body, soul, and spirit, to 
or you claim ownership of yourself and you try to convince Jesus that he should love you as you are with unconditional love, still in a state of rebellion against his holiness and his kingdom, his authority. The second is a hopeless, lying, perverted position. It is destined to fail. Mighty God of heaven, I pray for each person listening to this broadcast today. This has been a very sober time we've shared in these minutes together. I ask Almighty God that the convicting power of the Holy Spirit will go forth and open the eyes of each person who has listened, that they might see clearly where they have and what they have stolen from you, that these stolen goods can be returned and all lies broken and cast out and all deception uncovered. Thank you, Lord. We'll take one quick call. Yes. Welcome. Can I pray for you? Yes, Brother Ray, how are you? Good. Yeah, um, this is, uh, Alex, I just called um, uh, to have you pray for me in reference to um, working out my, my salvation with fear and trembling. Lord, my brother Alex is calling and asking that you would guide him in returning everything he's stolen from you, that you would make plain the path of righteousness before him, that you would take all worry from his heart, that you would t- take all of his initiate, initiative to explore the world and find his own way, you would take that from him in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, I pray in your holy name. Amen. Thank you, God Pastor. bless you, Alex. Likewise, thank you. We're out of time today. I'm Pastor Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. I pray you'll take this broadcast and send it to friends and family and ask them to listen very carefully. And then ask them what they have stolen from you, Jesus. Now, I also would like to invite you to give to make this broadcast possible, yea, even to go to a national broadcast an FM broadcast here in Washington, which will take great resources. Some of you have those resources. Would you consider spreading this gospel of righteousness? Please write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. That's the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Thank you for listening to this broadcast today. I pray you will make very clear, clean decisions about returning stolen goods to Jesus. God bless you, my brother, my sister. I'm praying for you. I love you. I'll talk to you soon. Jesus Christ.